to Life Lessons. We're Jen and Sherry. I'm Jen Stevens, a retired teacher of 28 years and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat. And I'm Sherry Bullock. I've worked in healthcare for over 26 years, and I've been an active volunteer for many organizations. We're both wives and moms, and let's face it, we're the glue that holds it all together in our homes. In our careers, we have always been problem solvers who help others. And that's what we'll be doing here, answering questions you didn't know you had, one smart solution at a time. We're always looking for ways to make our lives easier, help us be more productive, or improve our health and wellness. So, let's live our best lives, one day at a time, and let's have some fun along the way. Hi everybody, we are so glad you're here today. Welcome to Episode 5 of the Life Lessons Podcast. How are you doing today, Sherry? I'm doing pretty good. What have you been up to? Well, I'm all decorated for Christmas. Did I tell, tell you that last week? I was in the process of doing it. I think last week. You had not put your tree up. Did you put your tree yeah, up? Yeah, trees are up. It's all done. Chad only did a little bit of complaining. Just a <laughs> little. <laughs> of course, by the time this comes out, it'll be um, this episode is scheduled to come out December 30th. So people will be taking down their Christmas decorations. Some of them. Yeah, some of them. I haven't decided what I'm doing yet. Well, I want you to put them up. We'll see. But if you put them up, when do you take them down? That's a question because, you know, some people are sticklers. They don't put them up until, you know, after Thanksgiving or some people in December. They wait till December. And some people are like, must be down the day after Christmas. Oh, no. If I get one up, it's whenever I have time to take it down. It might be the end of January. I used to be a, a day after Christmas take her downer. And then one of my friends, I think she was Catholic. She talked about Epiphany, I think is the name of the celebration period or the the period of time. And it goes like until mid-January. And that made me really happy. Oh, I've not heard of that. There's a tradition. I think it's Epiphany. Listeners probably know better about it than I do because I'm just talking off the top of my head. But you can keep your decorations up until, I don't know, is it January 12th? I can't remember. Something like that. Well, I think you probably know this about me, and the listeners will learn this as well. I have no hard and fast rules. <laughs> I am a fly-by-the-seat-of-my-pants kind of girl. So if a tree goes up, it goes up, and if it, it comes, comes down, down, when it comes down, and I just don't stress out about stuff like that. Yeah. I like rules I can cite. No, it's okay to leave it up. I'm following this other rule. Oh, well, see, I don't really care what anybody thinks about right, my Christmas tree. So I have to tell it to Chad. <laughs> Look, Chad, I'm leaving it up because of this reason. He's like, whatever. <laughs> After this many years, he should just know. Yeah, well, I brought my husband home from uh, the hospital yesterday. He had surgery Tuesday. And um, so right now I'm just playing nurse and... I get to leave and go to work this weekend. I, I saw those words, get to. I hear, or I heard them, <laughs> get to. <laughs> I'm going to get my stepson, he's 18, from Georgia, and bring him over here so he can be dad's nurse nice. for the That's weekend. Good. How's Eric doing? He's doing really well. He actually got up and made an omelet this good. morning. So He's moving around. Feeling He's moving around. Yeah, he's uh, not sleeping well. So he has to wear right. a neck brace for at least six weeks, and that's difficult to sleep in. So I think he'll figure it out, though. Yeah, well, I hope so. I'm glad he's feeling better. Is he in pain? Uh, not too bad. He's not complained. He was in so much pain before the surgery okay. for months. Mm -hmm. And like that pain is gone. That's good. 
So now so he, he feels has, better now than he did before the surgery. Yes. Yeah. So. I mean, he's got incision pain and, you know, just muscular pain. Right. Anytime they do surgery on you, you're just sore afterwards. So, yeah, he's just got some, you know, aches and pains and incisional pain. But other than that, he's doing pretty well. It's more the limitations that I think he's finding a, a pain. He can't lift over five pounds for like the next several weeks. Wow. So, yeah. Well, we'll be thinking about him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he will not be mashing potatoes on Thanksgiving. No. Anyway. Here's the, well, can I just tell you a funny story? Well, it's not that funny. Sure. It's a funny sentence. We do not have mashed potatoes on Thanksgiving. Really? It's not part of our table. Not part of our traditional Thanksgiving food. Isn't that weird? Everybody's always talking about mashed potatoes. I'm like, no. <laughs> I don't. We I have don't. dressing. That's it. That's our starchy side. Dressing. We have macaroni and cheese. We have rolls. I don't know. I don't see. I don't like mashed potatoes. So maybe that's why I well, told I you last it. week I don't like holiday food. I'm not into mashed potatoes or any mushy food. So dressing, stuffing, whatever you call it. Well, our rule of thumb about what to call it is it's stuffing if you stuff it in. Well, Otherwise, it's dressing. I'm from the Midwest and we didn't stuff it in, but it was really? still stuffing. Okay. Yeah, this is a this we is a big about this argument. A yes, <laughs> this is an argument at my You're house. You're not as allowed well. to call it stuffing. <laughs> it is dressing. Stuffing would be stuffed in. Yeah, well, and we don't do cornbread dressing, which is mm-hmm. popular down in the you south don't? here. No, not not up where I'm from. Yeah, ours is a, my my grandma Calhoun's recipe that is, it's got grits, biscuits, and cornbread. Now I'm super intrigued. It's very good. Yeah. But I'm not allowed to make it anymore. I used the wrong kind of cornbread, my daddy said, which is okay. I'll let my sister make it. So last week when we <laughs> talked about holiday joy, Jen brought up sausage balls. Yes. And then this week, my sister-in-law posted a recipe for sausage balls using pimento cheese. That sounds yummy. And so I did save that. I'm going to have to give that a try. I do love jalapeno pimento cheese. So that would be I a, do as well. a good little sausage ball. Although if I showed up with different sausage balls on Christmas morning, I think my family would... Um, not be happy. What if you didn't tell them? (laughs) Oh, they would know. (laughs) Here's what's funny. I have tried different things over the years based on when I was doing crazy diets. One year I did a sausage ball. It was like a low fat sausage ball with ham or some nonsense. They're like, what is this? I'm like, I'm sorry. I apologize. (laughs) And then one year, I think I bought like keto friendly, I don't know, low carb friendly. I was doing low carb one year and it was like some kind of a bisquick substitute. I'm like, these are low carb. Everybody's like, no. (laughs) So I've always had a rule. You do not diet on special occasions. So well, me too. But I still tried to make it work. I was like, this is a lifestyle I'm doing anyway. Yeah. How'd that work out? It didn't. It never did. Only only intermittent fasting. Yeah. So I, I just make my traditional sausage balls with the, the real Bisquick and the real cheese and the real sausage. That's what they want. That's what I want to. Yeah. That sounds good. Now you're making me hungry. Yeah. All right. Moving into today's good news segment. I want to share with you a website that Jen and I both like to visit for good news stories. I mean, let's face it, you turn on the news channel, you look up your local newspaper, you get on Facebook, and really all you see is really awful news. It's stressful, it's sad, and it doesn't leave you feeling really good and inspired and positive when you go to start your day. So if you go visit this website called thegoodnewsnetwork.org, they have been bringing nothing but inspiring and positive news stories to its readers since 1997. 
And when you go on there, there's different categories that you can look for. And everything you read just leaves you, you know, when you get the good, the good feel chills. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's so great. I love that. So here's an example of a positive news story that they shared. It's about a man named Brandon Wolf. He's a Brooklyn English professor. And when the pandemic hit New York, he wanted to do something to lift people's spirits. So he took to the streets with a table and a chair and a typewriter. And he sat next to a mailbox. And his goal was to revive letter writing and, you know, bringing people joy through their mailbox. Back before the days of text messaging and emails and direct messaging, when you would go out to the mailbox and you'd get a, a, a written letter out of the mailbox. I know how fun that was to get, you know, for, you know, just getting that written letter. When's yeah. the last time you got a written letter? Do you still get written well, letters? Well, my mother actually still sends So written, does mine. Written cards. My mother sends me written letters. She actually yeah. writes letters. Yeah. Oh, no. My mom's a card maker. She okay. makes all of her own little cards and postcards. And so then she'll put a note inside of there. And she sends them for special occasions and whatnot. She always sends them to my eight-year-old. That's nice. So, yeah. Eric will get really upset because it'll say, you know, to our family. And then down the corner, it'll say, for Avery. And then he's like, well, where's mine? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Tell your mom she needs to put Eric's name on there, too. <laughs> yeah. So Brandon Wolf, he sat out on the sidewalk for several hours a day. And he would type out letters for people to send to friends and loved ones. And he had a sign out by his table that read, free letters for friends feeling blue. And he brought all the paper, the stamps, the envelopes. And so he just would sit there and he would help his neighbors compose heartfelt letters to the people in their life that they weren't able to see uh, because of the isolation. And he just really wanted to give people something to smile about and a way for people to feel a sense of connection when everybody went into lockdown. And by the end of the project, he had typed and mailed out over 50 letters for others. Well, that's inspiring me. I should probably write my mother a letter because, you know, when people do something for you, they usually are doing something for you that they would like in return. That's you know, true. If she likes to write letters and send them, I bet she'd like to get them. That's true. So maybe I'll write her a letter, send her a card, I have make her smile. chronically been really bad about mailing anything. I'm an awful mailer. I never have stamps. And by the time I get stamps, it's like two months later. And the card, one time I bought the card so many no longer stamps. Matters. I went to Costco and they're like, Would you like to buy some stamps? I'm like, sure. And it was like 1,000 million stamps. <laughs> <laughs> so I had so many stamps. So listen, this is actually, this is a funny story. I was at the post office mailing a package one day. And the lady behind me, and this is a long time ago, maybe a couple years ago, the lady behind me was like, I'm just here for stamps. I don't I don't remember. And I'm like, here, I've got some stamps. And I gave her stamps. And I'm like, anyone else just here for stamps? So I passed out <laughs> stamps to everybody in the line because I had all those Costco stamps. So anybody that was just there for stamps, I gave them stamps. And the people at the post office, they're like, you're not allowed to give out stamps. I think they were joking. Oh, you were cutting <laughs> into their bottom line, Jen. I guess. I gave out stamps to a bunch of strangers at the post office. But anyway. I would have loved you. Yeah, I'm like, have a stamp, have a stamp, stamps for everyone. Yeah. I have bad post office anxiety. Like, I would rather go to the tag office and tag my vehicle. Really? What's wrong with the post office? I don't know. 
I don't know. It gives me anxiety. Just waiting in line. It's so slow. I hate slow things. Oh, You're just well. standing there waiting. And well, I'm standing there talking to everybody. That's what I do. I feel like they can't ever find what the person's there to pick up. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, for the love. I've got places right. to go. Yeah. So. It is going to take a while. Give yourself some time. <laughs> go to the post office. <laughs> so if you want to start your day on a positive note, or you're just having a really bad day, maybe you need to be inspired by something good. I really uh, urge you to check it out. The website, again, is called goodnewsnetwork.org. Awesome. So listeners, we need your stories. Send your good news story to connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. We want to hear about companies that have given you exceptional customer service. Give a shout out to a special someone in your life. Tell us an amazing story or share anything that may be inspirational to fellow listeners. You can even forward us, you know, a good news story that's from your local community. Just forward it right to us and we'll share it. Um, We look forward to hearing from you and sharing your good news in an upcoming episode. Before we get to this week's life lesson, um, I want to take a minute to tell you about a company that really changed my life and helped make it possible for us to bring you the podcast today. For me, it's been a really great life hack. So last year, my resolution was to build up a rainy day fund and save for a vacation. But let's face it, when it comes to transfer that money into a savings account, I can always find something else to do with that money. Oh, yeah. And I start doing that like, oh, should I save it or should I pay this bill? But then, you know, you have an unexpected expense come up and now you don't have money in savings. And it's also really easy when you want to make an impulse purchase to just transfer that money from your savings to your checking. So I did some research and I discovered a smart savings solution and it's called Albert. It is a budget and money saving app. You can set up Albert to automatically pull a designated amount from your checking account, either weekly, bi-weekly or monthly. And if you're brave, this made me really nervous. Are you brave? I am brave. (laughs) I I knew you were brave. I I had a feeling. I put my my big girl panties on. I just committed to it and it's worked out great. (laughs) You can use what's called smart savings. And so Albert is not only like a savings app, but it's also kind of a budget app. They keep track of your budget. They let you know if you're overspending in a category or if they think you're spending too much money on something like insurance or cable or wireless or or even like um, they remind you if you have subscriptions to things like Netflix or anything like that, that you may forget that you're paying a monthly That's subscription awesome. on and they remind you that you're paying it and so that you can turn it off if you're not using it. So Albert, when you do smart savings, Albert learns your monthly budget, including your income versus expenditures, and they determine how much you can safely save each week. So you don't do a thing. They do it for you. And you can even set up different savings goals. So for instance, you can be saving for a rainy day fund while you are saving for a vacation. And the really cool thing about Albert that I like too, is like, if you have a financial question, you can text them and they'll give you like advice or they'll refer you to somebody who can solve your problems for you. Very cool. So they also encourage you several times a year to like just look at better insurance options or debt management options. They'll tell you like, hey, you know, you're paying this amount on credit cards this month or every month. And, you know, there's this low APR loan you could take to pay that off instead. So they just give you little money saving tips and advice randomly. If you want to dabble in investments, you can do that for free. They don't charge you to do that. So like I have this 
old house and I have avocado green and mustard yellow showers. And since I moved in, my dream has been to remodel my bathrooms. And so I actually dabble in their investments to try to save for that. So like $10 a week I put in there in an investment and I watch my money grow. I love that. Yeah. So when you need your money, you just transfer it right back to your checking account with the click of a button and they pay you bonuses for saving. 1% of what you save, they pay you. That's awesome. It's really the most painless way to save money that I've ever found. By using the referral link found in show notes, you can effortlessly save money while also helping support this podcast. I love that. You know, it's a great life hack to just make it automated. Yeah, I'm all into ways that make, like decision fatigue is real. So true. this is huge. It just saves my money. And I don't think about it. I don't think about how much. So it's been great. I like it. Yeah. About those tubs. Is your tub actually one of them's green and one of them's gold? Yes. Yeah. Have you thought about having them reglazed with white or something? Well, Have you ever thought about that? They are, what is it, the fiberglass inserts? Oh, okay. So they're not the kind that you would reglaze. No. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, they need to be taken out completely and redone. Yeah, they do. They do. I just don't want to do it because, you know, you always hear people start little remodel projects that they think are going to be small, and then they get in there, and it's not a small project. Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> so then you're like, you like oh, your look, faucets. the floor. Jo- yeah, exactly. Yeah. We just wanted to change. The faucets were leaking, and it turned into thousands of dollars Yes, of having to open the wall up because they had to, yeah. Yeah. I, I get it. I get so, it. So, yeah, and my house is, you know, rather old, and we are right. in the, the humid south. So I yeah. am kind of convinced once we take them out, there's probably going to be some mold You'll back have to there. replace rotten wood. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, so be ready. Yep. So I'm just waiting until I'm ready, and it feels painless to do it. That makes sense. Thank you, Albert. Yeah. People should check that out. So let's get to this week's life lesson. Today's topic is, should you make a New Year's resolution? Let's learn what some experts say about it, and we will explore some of our listeners' thoughts and questions on them. Before we do, let me ask you, do you make a resolution, Sherry? I don't because I feel like I'm constantly working on self-improvement and tweaking things in my life. You know me, I'm a, I'm sort of a life hacker, biohacker, right. so I'm constantly like working on being better. And You're not going to wait for the new year. You're just going to do it right the minute that you have the idea. Yeah, yeah. 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 When I decide I'm going to do something, I just jump in and do it. You don't wait for, I'm going to do that on X day. You just do it. Yeah. I'm very much like that too. Although every year there was a resolution I always made. You know what it was. You could probably guess. Lose weight. It was. It was every year. I always made that resolution. This is the year. I'm going to figure it out. I mean, I say I don't make a resolution. I guess it's not formal. It was two years ago that I really was like, this is the year I'm really going to work on being better money management and paying down some debt and saving more and that sort of thing. So I do kind of have a, a theme for the year that I work on. But it's not like one specific right, that resolution. Makes sense. Well, I'm excited to, to talk about the topic today. So Rachel from Texas, she wants to know what the origin of New Year's resolutions are. So I did uh, you know, some research on that. And according to a few references, the Babylonians are said to have been the first people to make New Year's resolutions and were also the first to hold recorded celebrations regarding the New Year. However... Back then, their new year started in mid-March when the crops were planted. So crops go in the ground, celebrate a new year. 
And it wasn't until Roman times when Julius Caesar established January 1st as the mark of the new year in 46 BC that um, New Year's became January 1. January is named for Janus, the two-faced god. They believed that Janus looked back into the prior year and forward into the next. So the Romans are said to have offered sacrifices to Janus and make promises of good conduct during the coming year. And then that practice has continued through the years, evolving into a practice where people make promises to themselves, which are today's New Year's resolutions. It just seems like, you know, such a fresh slate, which I do get. You know, every year I guess it's time to start looking for my new calendar. Every year I get a new calendar and hang it in the kitchen. Do you have any a paper calendar hanging anywhere? I tend to start my paper calendars in the fall. And I don't even write stuff on my paper Like, I tend calendar. to use an academic calendar. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, well, you know, for me, I really did always think about a new year as the academic year as well. Mm-hmm. So well, there's two new years in my brain. The academic new year, because I was a teacher for so long. And even before that, I was a student. Uh-huh. So I was either a student or a teacher from the age of five until, you know, just recently. Yeah. And as a, like, I think like as a mom, you get through the summertime yeah. and the kids go back to school and then you start thinking about, okay, this year. And to me, that's always, and that is such a summer year. person. Right. So as the summer winds down, I feel like, oh, that year's over. Summer's over, new year. I don't know. Well, I get a new a new year calendar, not with the academic year. Every year I get one that's pretty and it's really decorative. It's like I have it hanging in my kitchen. It's like, I have like a calendar frame. So I get a calendar and put it in there. And I don't ever write on it. It just hangs there. And I could, you know, I'll look at the You look at it. I look, yeah, I get something, you know, this year's had like art with birds. And some years I'll have, you know, William Morris art. So I don't know what I'm going to get, but it's time to get one for 2021 when the new year's starting. So, um, you know, one thing we wonder is how many people follow through on their resolutions. And that's what Alexis from Ohio asked us. And there's actually research about this. We found a study that showed that approximately 45% of Americans make a New Year's resolution, but only 8% report being successful in achieving those goals, which I think is so interesting. I also saw something, Sherry, that said there were there was a tie for in this one thing that I read about the number one goal. It was a tie. And do you want to guess what the number one goal, one of the two number one goals would be? I'm going to say lose weight yep. and make more money. You know, no, that surprised me too what the other one was. It was just be a better person. And I was like, that's weird. I would never resolve to be a better person. That's kind of ambiguous. That's what like, I thought What does that too. mean? I don't know. I don't know. I guess people don't think they're a good person and they want to be better. I don't know. I thought that was interesting. But those were tied for number one. So everybody, you already are a good person. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. That's just what I would say. That's my teacher pep talk there. But the number one goal, weight loss, tied with be a better person. But, you know, I can understand with, you know, only 8% being successful in in the weight loss because weight loss is hard. Of course, we know with intermittent fasting, that's. (laughs) our secret weapon. You know, the last time I had to make that resolution was 2014, which is exciting. But um, there's an article from the University of Chicago Medicine, and they reported that most New Year's resolutions fail because they people are, are, you know, wanting to make these big sweeping lifestyle changes. For example, be a better person. That's so ambiguous, like Sherry said, or lose weight. But so instead of making a big grand resolution, make a small lifestyle change resolution. 
instead of saying, this is the year I'm going to lose 100 pounds, you're probably not going to lose 100 pounds in a year or even 50 pounds in a year, which is doable because at the rate of about a pound a week, you could do it. But instead of making a numerical goal like that, make a goal to improve your health by, you know, something actionable, something that you're going to do. You know, we talked about that in the habits episode. You know, you're going to establish a habit as your resolution, and then those small changes are achievable, and they will lead to big change over time. Right. The small changes add up. So something, you know, instead of a a goal, I am going to lose X number of pounds, you know, a behavioral goal that you can do. Um, instead of an ideal, a lofty ideal, like be a better person. So make it goal oriented, something that, you know, some way that you can monitor the changes that you're you're choosing to implement, you know, a log, a spreadsheet, some sort of measurable data. Again, not I'm going to lose 50 pounds, but instead I am going to adopt an intermittent fasting lifestyle and I'm going to you know, follow it every day. I will fast for at least 12 hours every day if, if that was your goal. And then you can track it and see if you're making those habits stick. Right. What do you think about that? Yep. That's exactly, that's exactly right. Because you have to take actionable mm-hmm. steps and then you have to track your efforts, especially too, just so you can see, are you being consistent with taking the steps needed to right. reach your goal? Do you need to tweak? You know, what are you learning along the way so that you can, you know, make some changes? Exactly. According to the time management firm, Franklin Covey, one third of resolutioners don't make it past the end of January. Yeah, I believe it. Many time resolutions fail because you didn't make the right resolutions. And they list three main reasons why your resolution is wrong. One, you made a resolution because of what someone else or society is telling you to change. Your resolution is too vague or you don't have a realistic plan for achieving your resolution. Kind of like Jen just said. Right. Your goal should be SMART. SMART stands for Specific, Measurable, Attainable, Relevant, and Time Constrained. SMART is an acronym coined in the Journal Management Review in 1981. And while design for management experts say it can also work when setting resolutions. Yeah, I think that's that's a great acronym. And it you know, we used this this type of thing when we were setting goals in education as well for our students. You know, things have to be, you know, we're gonna get into each one of these letters of the acronym, but you know, a goal like be a better person, how are you gonna know if you're a better person? Right. You know, that's not it's not specific, specific it's not measurable, right, you know. It's, it's very vague. So that would not be what you would want. So let's get into each one of those pieces. So under be specific, you want to make sure your resolution is absolutely clear. So they uh, encourage you to make a concrete goal rather than just vaguely saying, I want to lose weight. You want to have a goal such as how much weight do you want to lose and in what time interval So saying I'm going to lose five pounds in the next two months is way more effective than saying I'm going to lose all my weight I need to lose this year. Right. So the second step, M, is measurable. Make your goal measurable. You know, that that may seem obvious if you're used to making this kind of goal, but it, you know, it's definitely obvious if you're having a fitness or a weight loss related goal, but also if you're trying to cut back on something or, or change something, for example, biting your nails. You know, you want to stop biting your nails, 
this year. By the way, I am a nail biter, Sherry. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, sometimes I bite my nails. It's, and then I catch myself doing it. And then I'm like, whoop, time to stop doing that. Because it's also you. I have never seen you do that. Maybe I'm better at it than I – maybe I don't bite them very often anymore. But it's always been a struggle. But if, if let's say your goal was to stop biting your nails, how can you measure that? Well, you could take photos of your hands and you could track it over time and look back and see if your nails are growing back out or you could journal about it. You know, just you're reinforcing your progress towards that measurable goal. You know, maybe your goal was to save money, like Sherry was talking about with the Albert app. That would be measurable. You could keep up with how much you're saving right. and, and track that. Yes, every day I can lock on and then just watch as my balance grows, which is exciting for a person you know, like who's if, never been able to save well. If you wanted, you, you talked about saving for a vacation, you know, for step one specific, you are going to save money for this vacation. Measurable, you know how much you need to save. Here's the amount. Yes. Mm-hmm. Step three, A, attainable or achievable. You want to make sure your goal is something you can actually do. So you can still have, you know, exciting things you're, you're, you're stretching for or reaching for, but it's very discouraging when you set a goal that's too large and you're never going to meet it. You know, I ran into that as a teacher. We had kids set goals for, you know, how many books they wanted to read or whatever, how many points they wanted to earn on this program. And some kids would set a goal that was way too high. And as the teacher, our job was to guide them to make a goal that they could achieve. You wanted it to be a stretch. That's fine, but not so big of a stretch that they're going to just feel like a failure when when they don't meet it. So if you're trying right. to save money, you know, start with start with small, something small, $100 a month. And if you find that's easy to do, you can stretch it a little bit, 200, 300, something like that. Yeah. Dream big, but don't set yourself up for failure. Exactly. Because if you if you do, you're like, "Well, I'm not going to meet this anyway. I might as well just quit." Exactly. Then you don't even do it. Yes. So the R stands for relevance. Dr. Michael Bennett, a psychiatrist and co-author of two self-help books, wrote, is this a goal that really matters to you? And are you making it for the right reasons? If you do it out of the sense of self-hate or remorse or a strong passion in that moment, it doesn't usually last long. But if you build up a process where you're thinking harder about what's good for you, if you're changing the structure of your life and you're bringing people into your life who will reinforce that resolution, then you have a fighting chance of success. So for instance, Jen and I at some point made a resolution to get healthier and lose weight with intermittent fasting. And while trying to make that resolution stick, we wanted to bond with like-minded people to help reinforce our habit of fasting and our resolve to make fasting part of our daily life. And Jen went so far as to start a support group, and I joined that support group. So my family and coworkers weren't fasters. They didn't understand it. So I needed to immerse myself in a community of fasters to help me reach my goals. Yep. So whatever your your goal is, if you find yourself a community that'll help you work on that, it's so much easier. You know, I started the support group to support myself. Right. <laughs> that was the goal. I needed support in a group, you know, and I, I'd been in a group that and people were arguing and I'm like, I don't want to know. So I was like, I want a community where no one's arguing. It's a safe place. So I just started it. You can start a support group for yourself for anything. Just yeah, like somebody I did. actually asked that question. That was a listener write in. What was, was it? Like, how do you start a support group for something that's important to you, like intermittent fasting? And I think these days it's so easy with it's so easy social media 
you just start a group and you put it out there and you say what your mission is and you find a couple of friends. That's what I did. I found a few people that I knew and none of them were local to me at the time. It was just a person here, a person there and bring them in and then they bring other people, Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. you know, and your vibe attracts your tribe, they say. You know, over time, the people that were there attracted more people like them. They brought their friends. They brought their family members. And this could be true for anything, you know, whether you've got a interest in poodles. <laughs> My grandmother always had poodles. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> orange tabby cats. I should start a support group for people who have too many orange tabby cats. Is there such thing as too many? I have three, three orange tabbies. I don't know. I think we decided anything over five was maybe too many. But I have another cat who's not an orange tabby, but I have four cats. That's too many cats. I know it is. So the (sighs) T in SMART is give your goal a time constraint. So much like achievable, the timeline towards reaching your goal should be realistic as well. That means giving yourself enough time to do it with lots of smaller intermediate goals set up along the way. Charles Duhigg, author of The Power of Habit and a former New York Times writer, says, focus on these small wins so you can make gradual progress. If you're building a habit, you're making a plan for the next decade, not just the next couple of months. I think that's so important, you know, because I have to, you know, we talked about this also, I think, on the habits episode. I have to write things down and have them, you know, like I've got things I need to do and I have to have it on my calendar. Like I have to do it in this this time period because otherwise I just keep pushing it, you know, farther and farther and then you never are going to do it. If you don't really have an achievable timeline, it's never going to happen. Like when I was writing Fast Feast Repeat, I had a, a time constraint. I had a deadline and I had to break that down into steps and like how many, you know, words I needed to write every day. And they, I had to stick to that time constraint. And I actually turned my book in early. Are you surprised? No, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, a lot of people don't do that because my editor was like, what? You turned it in early. I mean, I'm finished. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think you had some big changes coming up in your life, too, as you were finishing your book. It's true. You just had to get it done and out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we have a listener, Sue Penwarden, and she actually is familiar with the SMART strategy. So she actually shared, make your goals SMART. Be specific and add lots of details. Make it measurable. How many? Try to put a number to it. How many miles, pounds, times, etc.? Make it attainable. If you set your goal too high, you will only get discouraged. Remember baby steps. It is great to improve self-efficacy. Make it realistic. Saying you will save half your pay to go towards that new car when your rent is 40% of your wages doesn't leave anything to live on. And last but not least, make your goal have a time frame. We can all set goals and be working on them forever if we don't set a be done by date. It stops us from putting things off. So that was a great summary of the entire SMART goals. So the experts in goal setting and resolution setting, they also advise against making resolutions that are out of your control. And that's tricky. A lot of people do that. They might say, this is the year I'm going to get a promotion or this is the year I'm going to get a raise. Well, that's not really in your control. But instead, you could say, this is the year I'm going to make the effort to sit down with my boss and talk about, you know, my long range goals and plans and find out what actions I need to take from his perspective or what accomplishments I need to achieve 
in order to be eligible for the promotion or raise? You know, what can you control? What can you do? And then you make the action plan that goes along with it. For example, I will accomplish, you know, this many items on my list by my mid-year review. And then I'll determine what my next steps are going to be. You know, maybe you need to get some certification or you need to take some classes. But identifying what you need to get to that next step is really important. Otherwise, it's just a wish. Right. Yes. I wish that I would. But you you can't make a wish. It's not what it is. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a big fan of just throwing stuff out to the universe and letting it answer you. But sometimes you really have to do some work to to make it happen. I think you always do. I think you always have to do some work. You know, you put the idea out there, but then you have to, okay, now how am I going to make this happen? Exactly. And that's a strategy, actually, that a listener, Tiffany Henschel, utilizes. She said, I use the new year as an opportunity to take stock of where I am and where I want to go next. I do set goals in two or three areas of my life, but my goals are always, one, action-based, two, depend only on me. I cannot control other people's actions, so setting a goal that depends on someone else following through is setting myself up for frustration. I make my goals based on action because this consistent habits create results. Simply envisioning and hoping for a result will not make it come true. That's so true. Are you a person who has made the same resolution year after year and never stuck with it? It's important to you. It's something you truly desire, but you just can't make it stick. Well, rather than making it again for the third or fourth year, figure out why you are stuck in this loop of making a resolution that you are not achieving. What is holding you back? Is it anxiety, fear of failure, lack of an adequate plan? Address any feelings that are getting in the way of success. If this sounds familiar to you, maybe this year your resolution should be to work on resolving the feelings that are holding you back from being successful at something that you desire to conquer. I think that's huge right there because I think a lot of people really are, they might not even realize it, that they're stuck because they have you know, these feelings holding them back, keeping them from being successful. Right, right. So they say like, you know, are you a self-sabotager? Find out why. Figure out why you don't feel like you maybe deserve success. And then work on solving that in this year. And then once you've conquered that, then you'll set yourself up for success in, you know, meeting the resolution that you've been trying to meet for several years. They say, you know, do you maybe need to enlist a friend to cheer you on as you move forward? Or do you just need to take that resolution that you've been unsuccessful at and break it down into smaller chunks? Maybe meet part of your goal this year and then complete the goal next year. So maybe your resolution for three years has been, this is the year I'm going to buy a house. And you just can't do that. Maybe it's like, this is the year I start saving to buy a house. And just you have focus to figure it on out. the savings yeah. and not the house. You know, what's been holding you back if it's not having enough money for a down payment? That's what you focus on. Right. Instead of saying, I'm going to buy a house, say, this is the year I'm going to save that money for the down payment. Or this is the year I'm going to find a realtor to work with instead of just, you know, wandering around. Yes, I'm driving around looking at signs. You need to have a plan for everything. Exactly. So, you know, we talked already about making sure that your resolution or your goal is achievable, you know, that you don't bite off more than you can chew and that you're flexible, you know, but keep in mind that a lot of people are are plagued with ideas of perfectionism. You know, they, they set a goal and 
if they can't meet the goal, it just ruins everything. If you know, if they, I'm either going to be perfect or I'm not going to do it at all. So you need to think about a way to phrase the goal that's doable. For example, don't say, I am going to stress less. You know, that's not achievable. That's that's just a very vague goal. Instead, this year I'm going to learn how to manage stress better. That's something that you do. You can do that. You know, saying you're going to stress less, well, that's, that sounds great, but really what are you going to do? I am going to learn to stress less is different. You can you can do it. It's something that you do. It takes practice, change, and dedication. Yes. Does that make sense? Am I explaining that well? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? Here's an example from Leslie from Pinson, Alabama. She says, I tend to want to do all of the things. So to save myself some frustration and keep myself from giving up because the list I've made is overwhelming, I now keep a brainstorm list on an ongoing basis. So I focus on one thing or so at a time. Many times it's one thing in a few different areas of life, but I try to limit that to a total of only three. And when that's done, I move on to the next item. I do like to take stock at the beginning of the year and see what I've been able to accomplish, reorganize what I want to do next. And because it's a brainstorming list, I don't feel guilty at all when I just eliminate the item from the list. See, I love that. I do too. You're like, nope, yep, I'm not going to do this. I changed my mind. Yes. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. You, know, you can change the list or revoke it at any time. And she says, I seem to get more accomplished and am happier doing it this way. I really think a key is knowing yourself and understanding what motivates you and what's going to keep you on track. Yeah. And when I read that, I thought, you know, I say this a lot and I, I'll say this in the fasting groups even too. And I tell people all the time that we pass through seasons in our life where something may be really pressing and seem very important to you. And then life changes. I mean, you've got ebbs and flows and something that seemed really important to you in January may no longer be really important to you in May. And you really need to be like, okay, well, that's not what's most pressing in my life right now. I need to put that on the back burner. And I really need to focus on this now. And just, I think being flexible in life in general is really the key to happiness and success. I agree. So the more we're able to just, you know, go with the flow and roll with life, I think, you know, just the more satisfied we're going to be overall. Being a resilient person, uh huh, somebody who can, you can turn on a dime if you have to, because life, you know, what, what's the saying? Life is what happens while you're making plans. Yeah. Is that something the like that. Yeah. Something like that. You know, you can make all the plans in the world and then you got to roll with it. Now, see, I'm a planner. Well, I'm a planner, too. I'm a planner, but it's not set in stone. You know, if I, I make a plan and then I just roll with whatever happens. But I like to have an idea in my head of, you know, what I'm working for or, you know, what I'm working towards. Or even when I go on vacation, I plan out, oh, these are the restaurants I want to visit and these are the things I want to do. And if we get there, great. And if we don't, we don't. But I like having But you have that, an idea. I have that idea. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same mm -hmm. way. So let's share some resolution lessons from community members. Angela Lee from Grand Rapids, Michigan, she wrote in and she said, if you set a goal for the new year, make it quantifiable and set a reasonable plan for how you plan to achieve it. For example, say you want to lose 20 pounds, give yourself a reasonable frame, time frame to do it and decide on a method that you can stick to. Or if you want to get more organized, list out specific areas of your home that you want to organize and give yourself a time frame when you will do each area. 
Most resolutions fail because people try to do too much too quickly and they give up when they can't achieve their unrealistic expectations. Yep, I think that's true. Yeah, that was always my problem with, with the whole weight loss idea. I always was like, I'm going to lose the weight and then it would not happen at the speed at which I wanted it to happen. And then it didn't look like it was happening at all. And then I would just quit. I would give up in frustration. And it just happened over and over and over again. And then the next year came and you're like, I didn't do that last year. I've got to do that this Mm -hmm. year. Yep. It's another year. I'm going to do it again. I would start browsing the diet book aisle. And again, same thing. I always had an unrealistic expectation. So that really, you know, and then I would just quit and give up. So Daisy from Montana says, I try to choose one mindset resolution and one habit to change. So she's got a mindset and then she's got a habit. So here's Daisy's example. Be enough. That's her mindset resolution. And eat less candy. That's that's a habit. So she says, then I take it one month at a time and tweak it at the start of each month. It really works for me. I make resolutions on my birthday, too, and use the same strategy. Oh, I like that. Each birthday is a new year as you're starting a new age. That's a good one. I think I do that as well. Do you? You think of a birthday as a a turning point? Yeah, I do. I see. That's where I say I kind of always have, I'm constantly always like working. Different seasons, birthdays, New Year's. So I don't just, resolutions to me are just, should be ongoing. I like make them the minute I see that I need to do something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like birthdays are a point where I like reflect back on the last year and especially decade birthdays. Like at 30, you're like, okay, well, this is what happened in my 20s. You know, especially if there was something like negative happening, I was like, okay, well, when I get to 40, I don't want to be like, oh, well, I spent the last 10 years battling this. So I'm going to take care of that. So that's not someone who's 40 should not be doing that still. (laughs) (laughs) Chad just turned 50, by the way, last week. You guys are in the same decade again. He just joined joined me. I know. It's just so funny. This was a weird one because, you know, I'm, I'm 17 months older than Chad. So I've been, I was 51, and he was still 49, and so he's like in his late 40s, and I'm in my early 50s, and it just feels weird. So he started a new decade. He could reflect on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, Eric's in his 30s, and I'm in my 40s. Well, see, so I get it. So yeah, we're, <laughs> we're a long way apart. <laughs> 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 Professor Michelle. Ooh, I like that. Professor I Michelle. I like it, too. That sounds smart. Professor Michelle says, I ask myself, what is one plausible change I could make in the next year that would make me and those I love the most happy? I love that. I like that, too. She's she's focusing on being happy because really that's the root of everything. You want to be happy. But she not only wants herself to be happy, but those around her, the people she loves. Yeah, I like that. Laura D. from Willow Grove, Pennsylvania shares, some years I have a formal resolution and other years I do not. The last few times I had a goal in mind, my resolution was phrased or thought about like this, quote, I will make a small weekly goal slash change of blank that will get me to a big goal or resolution of blank. So for example, she said, if my goal is to lose weight or get toned, I would make a new weekly goal with that end in sight. Week one, take a daily walk. Week two, drink only water as a beverage. Week three, close my window after dinner without having sweets, etc. 
Or perhaps my goal is to get my house in order. Week one, clean out the bedroom closets. Week two, clean out the kitchen cabinets. Week three, wash or clean all the window treatments, etc. The smaller goals would provide a plan to get to the larger goal and give me something new to focus on each week so it felt fresh and motivating. I really like that. Yeah, so she has an... That seems like a smart goal to me. Yeah, she's got an actionable plan. Yep. That's great. She's got the small pieces and she's... You know, and she's take, chunked them up and she can get it all done. And by the end, it'll be all finished. So our last listener contribution is from Heather in Minnesota. And she says, I like a theme instead. My recent themes for the year have included truth, trust the process, the power of purpose. They usually come to me after Christmas and always apply to multiple areas of my life, such as career, health, relationships, parenting, etc. And I really like that as well. I do, too. A New Year's theme. Yeah. Two years ago, I think my theme was balance. Living a more balanced life. You know, work, home balance. I think a lot of people struggle with balance. That's a that's a good one. I think so, too. If people are looking for a theme for the year, 2021 could be the theme of balance. Yeah. I think that's a good one. Because when your life is out of balance, it's like a wobbly wheel. Nothing's yeah. going to go smooth. With a wobbly wheel. That's true. So get your life in balance. I bet 2020 was a wobbly wheel for a lot of people. <laughs> I really what do you feel think? like on January or December 31st, so many people are going to be like, whew, get that year behind us and let's start over. You know, I get all these Facebook ads and they have like one for like this Christmas ornament for 2020. Have you oh, seen yes. that one? It's like dumpster fire. and. <laughs> I like the toilet paper one. Yeah. I had a good 2020, though, in many ways. So it hasn't been a terrible year altogether. We've had good things in 2020 as well. We have had good things. We I have. I wouldn't say it's been a, a bad year. It's been a challenging year for It's sure. definitely been a challenging year, but some really wonderful things have happened. So we don't want to just say 2020, wipe it out of our memories because, you know, a lot of people have reconnected with their, their close family members in a way. Maybe it helped you strengthen your marriage. I can quote, say a thumbs up for that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, we live such busy lives. Right. Out of balance, really. And so this is really, I think, brought families back home and mm-hmm. they're spending more time with their kids and, you know, reconnecting there. And it's it feels like life has gotten less busy. It might, yeah, be, definitely... it might be crazy and stressful in some ways, but it's less busy busy. And it's I don't definitely taught us to reprioritize and appreciate little things that we took for granted. Uh-huh. Yes. Yep. Before we get to the listener-led lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast, and that is Shapa. You've heard me talk about Shapa before. Shapa is a numberless scale, and I absolutely love it. The goal of the Shapa scale is to create sustainable long-term behavior changes that will transform your body and your health. No numbers and no judgment. That is really true. I haven't weighed myself on a traditional scale since 2017, but I get on my Shapa every day. And Sherry, did you see that my my Shapa color was gray recently? I did, yes. Did you see that? I shared that. We have a very small group. Just a few of us are in, and most of us in there have a Shapa and just a, a bunch of friends that are all intermittent fasters. And my color was gray. Gray meant my weight had trend had turned to going up. And I saw that, and I wasn't upset. Like, I knew one day I would see gray. Right. But I, and I was like, how am I going to react? Am I going to be like, oh my God, I can't wait? No. 
I saw the gray, and I'm like, all right, why is my weight trending up? Well, I had just come back from the beach. I'd been there for five nights. I'd been there with friends. We ate out a lot. That's right. Um, yep. But And then a couple of weeks before that, I'd been at the beach prior to that for also five nights. And then you and I had been to the beach. Right. <laughs> so I had been having a lot of restaurant meals. And so I didn't let it upset me. I'm like, all right, my trend is up. And I really didn't even do anything different. I just trusted that it would get back on track, and it has. And so now I'm back in the green. So it was really nice to not have a number judgment looking at me. Instead, I saw that color feedback to what my trend was doing over time, and I didn't panic. I didn't freak out. And then it, it the color slowly turned back because I trusted that, you know, the goals and the habits I have in place or that the habits, my lifestyle, live an intermittent fasting lifestyle, took care of me. And got my shape of color right back with with no crazy things needed from me. So if you're interested in finding out more about getting the shape of scale, go to myshapa.com and you can use the code life lessons with no space to save money on a, a shape of scale. The way they have it set up is the scale is, you know, quote free when you use the code, but you're actually paying for their app. So for a year, you use the app. And then at the end of the year, you don't have to renew it. You get to keep the scale and the scale still functions. You still get your color even if you don't renew it. But it's it's really nice to have that. And they give you, they have like missions that you can do that are, are helpful to get you on the right track. So you can also go to our website, lifelessonscommunity.com and find the link there and also in our show notes. How's your shape of color doing, Sherry? My shape has been great. I, uh, you know, had put on a little COVID weight right. and um, started using my Shapa and I was holding steady at green and then I went to teal, which means I was losing weight. And then I went to blue, which means you're really on a downward trend. And then I hit back to my, you know, what my goal is, my maintenance weight. And I, so I anticipated it turning back to green and it did. And I've been holding steady at green ever since. And... It's fun. Here's I see Sherry also knows her number. See, I don't. I do. I don't know my number. You can set it to show you your number if you want it. I don't want to see a number. <laughs> I just like the color. Yeah, but it doesn't give you a daily number. You don't get that no. demoralizing. Well, you can if you want to. If you link it to another app. Or you can actually click it. There's something you can click and it'll show it to you. There, It doesn't, it doesn't show it to you? Oh, I thought you could. It shows you your daily trend. Okay. It's just yeah, a trend. And it's I a 10-day trend. Number. Okay. No, you will never, ever see your daily fluctuation. If you want to see a weight, it gives you a trend weight. Okay, it's see, I your, didn't know that. I've never clicked that, so I didn't know what it showed you. It's your average weight over 10 days. Okay. And so you can see when you're trending down or, you know, and your body fat percentage. But it doesn't show you your fluctuations unless you link it to an app. Correct. Correct. Okay. Yep. Well, see, now I learned something because I'm never going to click that button. Don't let me click it. I don't want to see that number. I just want to, you know, I just want to live my life wearing my clothes, feeling good in my body. That's all. Yeah. Well, I was tracking it because I did need to return. My, I was getting a little fluffy. My scrubs were getting a little tight. And anybody who wears scrubs knows that they're pretty lenient. <laughs> so if your scrubs are getting a little tight, then it's time to modify your behavior. Those are the real honesty pants there if they're tight. Yeah, those are the real honesty pants. <laughs> tight scrubs. So, yeah. So I was really watching my my numbers come back down so that once I, you know, 
return to my maintenance weight, I could just like settle in and just good. be happy with green. Green is good. Green is good. And and gray did not upset me. I was just really happy to see that. I managed it because there's going to be seasons where your weight fluctuates upward and then it's going to fluctuate back downward and that's life. That's right. Yeah. And I have been eating out a lot this week because of my husband being in the hospital and my body responds crazy to restaurant food. And I really anticipate seeing gray in the next few days. And I'm not going to be upset because I you know understand it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And you don't need to overreact. That's wonderful. All right. So now we have a segment called our listener led lesson. It might be a life hack, a book recommendation, a special recipe, a kitchen tip or anything along those lines. Today's listener-led lesson comes from Susan McCarran. Susan says, or it might be Suzanne. It's either Suzanne or Susan. What would you say, Sherry? Well, I read it as Susan until I just looked at it again, and it has a Z. So maybe it's Suzanne. Well, whichever it is, I like it spelled that way. It's pretty. So Susan or Suzanne says, I'm sharing my hack that is super simple but does require one minute of time each day. I think we all have one minute. Susan says, almost five years ago, I began writing in my one-sentence-a-day journal. I keep it with a pen on my nightstand next to my cuticle cream, and before I turn out the light each evening, I spend less than a minute jotting down something about my day, something about that day. It may be special, but often just the mundane. And then I scan back through the years, four of them now, to see what has happened on this day in the past. Often, these are memories that I would have otherwise forgotten, but I'm so glad to revisit. I've faithfully kept this up, and I'm so happy I have. I'm not a good journal keeper, though I aspire to be one, but this is so quick and easy to slip into my nightly routine. Maybe you or your um, followers would like to give it a try. It has certainly been a happiness boost for me. And, you know, I love that because one of my favorite things every morning that I do is look at my Facebook memories. Me too. Yeah. And I did not have Facebook memories for a long time. Like all my friends had them and I did not because, you know, Facebook gives different people different right. things. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. Like, I swear it was like over a year that people had them and I didn't. And I had this one friend. She kept trying to help me find them. I'm like, I promise you. And she's like, OK, you're right. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> Every time I told her I didn't have them, she's like, you have to. But anyway, this is a very similar kind of a thing. Yeah. It is nice because you kind of forget to like, I'd be going through something and I'll look back at it at my memory from two or three years ago. And I was like, wow, I was kind of going through a rough time or a stressful time. And then it's kind of like empowering because you're like, wow, I came out the other side of that and everything was fine. Like at the time I was super stressed out or super, you know, upset and it was great. Yeah, I think that's a great, that's a great, you know, here we are. If people are listening the day this comes out, it is December 30th. This would be a great resolution (laughs) to do. Do, Start this. Start it. Start it January 1st or whatever day you're listening. Don't wait till next January 1st if it's already. Right. (laughs) Start it today. Start immediately. Start immediately. I think I might start. I might get a notebook and do that. I love it. Did you notice that she was habit stacking in there? Explain. Explain the habit stack. She Oh, the cuticle cream? Yep. Yeah, okay. I see it. I missed that the first time. So she's got her t- Yeah, we talked about this on the um the habits episode. She sure does. Yeah, as soon as I read that, I was like, she's habit stacking. Love it. Yeah. Cuticle cream. One sentence a day. At the end of each show, we share a motivational quote from a listener. Today's quote comes from Renee from Illinois. Her quote is, "Looking behind, I'm filled with gratitude. Looking forward, I am filled with vision." 
Looking upward, I am filled with strength. And looking within, I discover peace. Renee shares, I've always been on a journey to discover peace and knowledge. That's probably why I became a teacher and a librarian. I love researching new ideas and I've learned so much from others. For many years, I was so busy, busy worrying about mistakes I made in the past, busy worrying about what would happen in the future, and busy working hard to raise my two children and take care of our home while my husband was often away serving in the Air Force. I wasn't truly living my life. I was not taking the time to enjoy all that I had each day because I was not living in the moment. I think this quote speaks to me most because it is all about living in the moment, focusing on the blessings and lessons from the past and seeing the future for all of its positive possibilities. And best of all, having the peace that comes from being and living in each moment. Oh, I love that. That's powerful. That is powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Renee. Well, I think we had another great episode. So now I wonder if if this will change people's resolution behavior. Yeah. Come join us at our Facebook community and report back. Oh, yeah. Report back to us. Let us know whether or not you, you know, maybe changed your mind about resolutions. And maybe you're going to make one this year. I love it. And let us know what what it is. Yeah. Yeah. What steps are you going to take to be successful? Yep. So the Facebook community is called Life Lessons with Jen and Sherry. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast through whatever podcast app you're listening to it through. And we would love for you to leave a review that helps us reach others. If you have a story to share for our good news segment, a listener-led lesson, or a motivational quote that means something to you, email us at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com and listen each week to see if we share your story or tip. Until next week, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye, Sherry.